All right, back to podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. You've had a good week and or a good day in the Lord, and God's blessed us in so many ways. And uh, just a good day today in the house of God. I'm so thankful for the church and um, and and what we learn and what we what we do and accomplish in the great study of the Word of God. And uh, it's just become my life and uh, studying the Bible, teaching the Bible, teaching it. And of course, if you if you teach it, you're going to have been a student. But uh, the better part of my life was was been in this book. And um, you know, I I, I remember I, I early on in life, young adulthood, I went to school. For criminal justice, and uh, it wasn't very long, five, six years after that, God called me into the ministry, and I have spent my life learning this so I could teach it, and so I um, want to make more of it. I want to do more for Jesus and uh, learn more and uh, teach more. Hebrews chapter 6, I... I dealt with this. There's a portion of this lesson that um, that is very lengthy to to direct. We're, we're doing we're going about this in a different different way. We're going verse by verse. However, the the initial verses, the first verses in this message, I dealt with. It was one of our earliest. Bible studies. Brother Wayne and Samuel had, uh, I've always opened it up to request and questions on what you want studied and what you want taught. I still do that. If, if you've got something you'd like me to cover, I, I still do that all the time. Um, but it was requested that I covered this because um, it it doesn't, it, it, this has been used by both sides. Um but yeah, make no mistake. I've taught well. I'm a eternal security believer. Um, I, it's been properly termed through the years. Once saved, always saved, and it's kind of been derided at times. Um, the focus definitely is on the always saved, but you got to be once saved first, okay? And and so, um. I grew up in with my family not necessarily believing this, so I had no ulterior motive. I had, or I had no slant either way. I got saved. I wanted to learn what the Bible taught, and uh, to to believe. And once I got saved, I come to understand the scriptures that we are saved forever when we get saved. Now the key is getting saved. A lot of people. With this up, down, in, out, backslid, not backslid, right with God, not right with a lot of folks just need to get saved. A lot of people just aren't saved. That that's where the confusion lends. It's not the once saved, always saved issue. It's the fact that have you ever been once saved? And when you get good and saved once, the Bible is very clear on where you stand in Christ. You will be chastened, you will be you will learn, you will grow in grace as you as you apply yourself. You'll have a desire for the sincere milk of the word. 
that you may grow thereby, and then you'll gain, uh, gain a desire for meat. So, Hebrews 6, we're going to go into some meat. We just come out of that, milk and meat, from Hebrews 5. I taught on that on Wednesday from Livecast. This Wednesday, we'll uh, maybe do another live cast. We'll definitely have a podcast this Wednesday. And then next Wednesday, which is the 16th, we'll be back in person Bible study, okay? All right. Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, this just simply means the elementary teachings of the doctrine of Christ, the milk, the basics. So we leave that and we go on to perfection. Again, perfection means maturity, uh, completion. And then the Bible says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So in the first verse, this clears it up. You don't have to lay a foundation again once it's laid. You may rebuild the wall. I've seen people have to do foundation work. But once those footers are dug and poured and inspected and done properly, man, they're there. They're there. So you've got the foundation. The foundation is Christ. The foundation is salvation. The foundation is is salvation by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's our foundation. Now, the Bible's very clear in the very first verse, you don't lay the foundation again. It makes a mockery of God to say, I was saved then and I'm not saved now but I'm getting saved on this day, Sunday morning again, and then I'll try to do it a little bit for a while, and if I don't, I'll get saved again. And by the way, that's not just... Uh, Baptists teach that too, not, not Baptists that teach the Bible, but I've been around groups of Baptists that I've seen people quote-unquote get saved 15 times, been baptized every time, and the reality is that is as much of a mockery of God as, as a free will Baptist teaching that you can lose it. Okay? You've got to understand what salvation is. It's forever. And when these people uh, that were getting saved over and over and over again, they didn't never learn to walk with God. They didn't learn the issue of the flesh and the spirit-filled life. So they would just get saved. Something must be wrong with me. I need to be saved again or I need to be saved. I know what my problem is. I never was really saved. Friend, that's, that's all a mockery of what salvation is. So watch this. Verse 2. Of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgments. So these, that's salvation. And this will we do if God permit... For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, that's saved, friend, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Now, 
Now, that people run with that. Now, if, if that does teach that you can lose your salvation, and it doesn't, but if it did, it is teaching that once you, you get it and lose it, you're not getting it back. Okay? So understanding it doesn't teach that, then what does it teach? It's saying, if you fall away, if you... If you've run well and you slip and you fall and you, you get out of fellowship with God, you don't renew again to repentance of, for salvation. You get back in the, in the walk with God. That's it. You don't make a mockery. You don't, you don't shame Him. You don't say, I wasn't saved, but now I'm saved, or I was saved, and I need to get saved again. None of that. That's it's what it's saying. It's so plain. We, we make it harder than it is. It says, if you've gotten saved, verse 4, tasted the Holy Ghost, enlightened, all of that. Verse 5, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Do you see that? It is a shame and a mockery to God for having to do it over and over and over and over again. He didn't have to die but once. You don't have to get saved but once. It's plain. It's as plain as the nose on your face. And I've seen Baptists of different sorts. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I come from that group. Everybody come from somewhere. And the group that I come from, it would be, it wouldn't just even be teenagers. It would be adults. It would be, they would get saved every revival meeting. They would get saved every camp meeting. I wasn't saved. I thought I was saved, and I'm not really saved, but I need to get saved. And, and folks, that is a mockery of God. And I've made that statement before to people, and I've, to, to them, and they say, well, you don't know people's heart. I know I don't know people's heart, but I know that book. I know what that book says. And it's impossible once you've tasted it, once you've gotten it, once you've repented, once you've turned to Christ. If you fall away, you don't get saved again. You just get right with Him and get back in fellowship and get in line and take your chasing and then learn as a good son or a good daughter in God and move on for Jesus. That's all of us. We've all done that. We've all been there. We've all fell away to a degree. We've all fell by the wayside for a little, for some time. But here we are. You didn't need to get saved again. You needed to get in the right fellowship with Him. You needed to walk with Him and to get in step with Him again. And to have your, 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 your life renewed in Him. That's simple. Verse 7, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and it bringeth forth herbs and meat for them by whom it is dressed. This is a parable, simple parable. Um, what this is teaching is, is similar to the parable of the sower about ground that's been cultivated and worked, same sun, same, same cultivation, but what happens as a result. But, but Verse 8, But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. Okay? So the, the Hebrew writer is saying, I am convinced that what you've got is something better than, than thorns and briars and thistles. Better things of you and things that accompany salvation 
though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Sometimes when things don't go good, I think God's forgotten me. Sometimes when things, and I'm having to wait, and I don't have the patience uh, that I need to have in waiting on God, I feel like God's forgotten me, left me behind, left me alone. And that Bible says here, I love this verse. Some of you need to take this verse down and to, to, to write it down in your Bibles, to underline it, to mark it in your life. For God is not unrighteousness, unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which he hath showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. All the good that you've done, all the blessing you've done, all the church work you've done, all the calls you've made, all the visits you've, you've, you've accomplished, all the, the prayers you've prayed, all the, the encouraging words you've sent, all the good, that's what it says. That's what the Bible says here is all the good that you've done, that God doesn't forget it. God God hasn't let it go into his his uh, his forgetfulness. He, he he hasn't forgotten what you've done. He has taken into account of your labor of love. He's taken into account of what you've done for him, and he will bless that. And he he is marking that. And God is keeping score. And God will always settle the score. That's what it says, verse ten. For God is not unrighteous. If God forgot what you've done for him. He would be an unrighteous God, but God has not forgotten. Some of you think God's forgotten you. You wonder if he if he's looking down when you try to be a blessing and a help to people. And you think, man, what about me? God's not forgotten you. That's what the Hebrew writer's trying to tell these folks. Stay encouraged. Stay in the fight. Stay in the faith. Don't renounce him. Don't fall away. Don't give up hope. God's not unrighteous in that he's forgotten you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a beautiful verse? Isn't that a great verse, Hebrews 6, 9? It's one of my favorites. I've preached an entire message on that before. And it was it was born with people in mind who were so good to me, so good in the ministry and in the walk of God. And I just tried to remind them that God hasn't forgotten you. Verse 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Or verse, I'm sorry, it's verse 9, verse 9, or verse 10. I said it was verse 9. It's actually verse 10 that I've just taught. Verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Now, if God hasn't forgotten us, that ought to help us to stay faithful no matter what we face. And understanding that, here, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. What we do right now in this life as Christians is not for this life. And that's where the prosperity gospel preachers have gotten it wrong. They tie and attach every blessing of God to this life. And... You may get some. I hope you get some. I hope you get plenty of blessings in this life. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. But should we not, should we not, we've got to understand that God is not going to forget us and we're not living for this life. I want 
the good in this life. I want the blessings of this life. But if it does not come to me in this life, I still know that God is keeping score. God is taking note and God is not unrighteous to where he's going to forget it. That's what the judgment seat of Christ is for. So what is our role and duty? Stay true, stay faithful, love him, love love the brethren, walk with God. That's That's what it's teaching. So, verse 11, we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end. To the end. Stay faithful. Show that diligence. The diligence means you're on your mark. You are uh, tending to what you need to tend to and to the very end. Verse 12, that you be not slothful. That's just lazy in the things you do. Careless in in your reading, careless in your study, careless in in your walk with God, careless in your life for God, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So find you someone. Here's the thing. Don't find the lowest common denominator to follow. In other words, flesh, your flesh will always... Look for and cling to the lowest common denominator to follow. And the Bible is very clear about that. Don't seek out and don't follow the lowest common denominator. Find someone whose walk with God is faithful, whose walk with God is solid, whose walk with God is consistent, whose whose walk with God is, is sincere and pure and true, and follow them. That that's that's what that verse is teaching us right there. Okay. Um verse twelve, that's that you be not slothful, so that means careless, that means lazy. Don't don't be like that. Be not slothful, but followers of them who who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. That's another great verse. Now, do you remember in the Genesis study here the other week where I got up and I demonstrated what God did? God put Abraham into a deep sleep. And when he put Abraham into a deep sleep, he, he made the sacrifice, God did, and he walked up and down the length of the sacrifice it was as it was laid on the altar. Okay? Now, what that means is this. When two men would strike a deal, two men in this, this time would strike an oath together. They would come to an agreement together. They would, they would agree upon it. We shake hands. Okay, that's what we do. We, we, we look each other in the eye. We agree. We shake hands. Deal done. Well, in this day, when two men made an agreement, they would make a sacrifice, lay it on the altar, and they would walk up and down, back and forth together. They're kind of in, not in unison, but in opposite ends. And they would walk up and down the length of the altar of the sacrifice themselves. Well, when God confirmed his oath to Abraham, what he did is he put Abraham under a deep sleep and he walked up and down the sacrifice himself. Didn't need Abraham. Why? Because God can't swear by anything greater 
You know, I, I know people uh, have trouble with the phrase, I swear to God, okay? And, and you know, you do that under oath, but then you see people kind of using it in vain, which is not proper. But you've got God in heaven who's saying, I, I can't swear by no one else. I'm just going to swear to me myself. That's what he's saying. And when I make an oath, I make an oath to myself. I keep... And, and when you say, so help me God, or I swear to God, what you do is, is you, are, you are saying God is confirming what I'm saying, and I'm being held and bound by what I'm saying to, by, by God. Well, God is saying, there ain't nobody I can swear to. There's nobody I can make an oath or a covenant to or a promise to on behalf of me. It's me. So I'm swearing by myself. That's so good. Look at that. That's beautiful. He swear by himself. Verse then that's what he did with Abraham. That's the context. Abraham's in the preceding verse in, in the same verse. He made that promise. He couldn't swear with Abraham, so he sweared it by himself. Saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. That's what he told Abraham concerning the children of Israel. So that's what he's telling these Hebrew people. Remember the context. I always keep the, the context of Hebrews in mind. He is dealing with Hebrew Jews, Hebrew people. And in doing so, he's telling them, although I've got this, this new way, I've got this salvation by grace through faith, although I've got this Christianity, although I've got this, this new covenant, that doesn't mean I've done away with the old covenant. I'm still keeping my covenant with Israel. And that's a whole nother theological teaching and, and, and lesson in the fact that God's still keeping His word to Israel. He's turned His attention to the church for the church age until the rapture. But that doesn't make God can't lie. God can't swear to anything other than himself. He can't break his word. So he's going to keep his word to what he said to Israel, and he confirms that here to the Hebrew people. So he's letting them know, look, you get... And so my, my daughter asked this question the other day about Jews and about being saved. I said, in this church age, they need to be saved. They need to be saved. And when he turns his attention and redeems them after the rapture, and in and the tribulation period, he's turned his attention to them as a nation. So he's going to sell off 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe of, of Israel. That makes the 144,000. He seals them off. And then they're the witnesses that go and preach the gospel of the kingdom to the other Jews. And so God's letting Israel know, look, I'm, I'm still going to do all of that. I'm still keeping my word that I made to Abraham. But in this age, you need Jesus Christ to save you. In this church age, you need to be a, a part of the church through salvation, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. I, I, heard, I listened to a man, his name's Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager is one of the great... He, he is a great mind. He is a great conservative mind. He is... Very, very intellectual. And he has wrote, written, excuse me, the, he's written commentaries on the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. 
And it's it's a moral, and it's a ethical, and it's a historical perspective and commentary on the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Torah. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I've been studying the Bible and commentators for the past 28 years, 29, almost 29 years, diligently. I've never read better on those topics. From Genesis to Deuteronomy, I have never read a better commentator. Now, here's the issue. He's not saved. He is a he is a Jew, a Hebrew Jew. He believes in morality, which we should too, but he believes in being a good person and that's that, that alleviates our judgment. He believes in a salvation by works. And he does not believe Jesus Christ as the as the Messiah. And the last podcast, I, he was actually a a, um, a guest on the Babylon B podcast. And those guys, I had to hand it to them. He, you're talking about a very intellectual man. And before he got off their podcast, they witnessed to him. They they asked him, "Would you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ?" And he he him hauled out of it and he give the, the, the most political answer you could find a very give a very thoughtful answer and a very genuine answer it just wasn't the right answer so what i'm telling you is that in this age they need to be saved they need to be born again and that's what jesus continued when he told nicodemus that you must be born again he was talking to a jew he was talking to a ruler of the jews even Jews need to be saved. Now, again, he's going to redeem the nation as a whole, and they're going to have a chance. And that they, let me say this. That's an advantage that the Jew has over us, is that we, we don't get a second chance. We don't get another opportunity. But that Jew is going to get a chance to hear the gospel of the kingdom preached, to be redeemed during the tribulation period. The Bible is very clear on that. Okay, so very clear on that. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Verse number fifteen. And so after he had patiently endured, he had ta- obtained the promise. That's speaking of Abraham. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them and an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability. That means unchangeability of his counsel. So God cannot change, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. That's a great verse. You want to know the fact that the Bible teaches that it that God cannot lie right there. It says it's an impossibility. It doesn't say he doesn't lie. It doesn't say he doesn't want to lie. It doesn't say he doesn't choose to lie. It says he cannot lie. Big difference there. Now, of course he doesn't choose to lie. Of course he, he he's not going to lie. But he can't even lie. It's, impl- it's an impossibility for God. His word is full of integrity and truth. He, his decisions are full of integrity and truth. And God cannot lie. We might have a strong consolation. Verse 18. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. That's so beautiful. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. The soul. Now let's look and see what it is. Both sure and steadfast, 
which entereth into that within the veil. That's Christ going behind the veil as the great high priest, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I taught on Melchizedek last time. So we wrap this up. That's the last verse in, in saying this. God is confirming this great salvation, this affirmative salvation, this eternal salvation, this, this eternal security, and he's speaking to Jews. And he's telling them, look, I made a covenant with Abraham. I made a promise to Abraham. I give my word to Abraham. And I'm going to redeem Abraham and, and you, the Jewish people, just like I said. But for, for this dispensation, for this time period in history, you need to put your faith and your hope and your trust into that one who is after the order of Melchizedek, who is bled, suffered, died, resurrected, and entered in behind the veil, the Savior Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you do it one time because God cannot lie. God cannot swear by greater than himself. He cannot make an oath by more than himself. And God's integrity is completely, completely to be trusted. And that's what the scriptures are teaching us, folks. I've enjoyed this lesson. I've enjoyed this chapter. I've enjoyed Hebrews 6, and I'm enjoying in the entire uh, the entire book of Hebrews. And I hope you've enjoyed this. We'll be back to podcast on Wednesday. We've got homecoming next Sunday. And then podcasts that night. And then the 16th, we'll be back in person Bible study. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you have a good night. Get plenty of rest. God bless you. I love each of you. And I will I will you will hear from me on Wednesday again. Hopefully we'll be able to do another live cast. Good night.